You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Everybody, welcome to the LaunchCast. Mm, love that music. Episode 104, entitled Be All You Can Be, because we have a real-life G.I. Joe with us today. It's the Launch Dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. We're talking leadership, we're talking life, we're talking business, and we're talking growth, and we're talking about it all because it's my show, and I'll talk about whatever I want to. With me today, my guest, First Lieutenant Robbie Plotkin is an Airborne Ranger, qualified infantry officer for the United States Army in the 3rd Armor Brigade Combat Team 4th Infantry Division. Wow, a mouthful. First Lieutenant Plotkin is currently back home from his first deployment to the Middle East in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. He is a former pro MMA fighter and pro kickboxer and has held multiple amateur titles. Robbie trained with the fight team Saralongo and he's a fourth degree black belt in Kempo Martial Arts and also holds a master's degree in sports science and nutrition and has worked as a private and collegiate strength and conditioning coach. God damn. God damn, what have you not done, man? Holy cow. That's a that's a mouthful, dude. So happy to have you here today, man. Man, I'm super, I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate you welcoming me on the show to help close out 2019 for you. Yeah, man. It's our New Year's show, dude. It's our New Year's show. We're going to talk about resolutions a little bit. We're going to talk about our year and how important it was to our growth. And I can't think of a better guy to, to do this with. So first of all, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to ask you about that. I'm going to say thank you for your service, dude. Wow, wow. Thank yeah. you for your support. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel when people say that to you? Um, I feel appreciative, really. Um, but I feel like I, I haven't done enough yet. I know... Uh, you know, everyone makes sacrifices for everyone that they care about. And I'm just, you know, looking to do a little bit more. It's big because, you know, with the type of sacrifice that you made, obviously, as as a member of the U.S. military, obviously, it's, you know, the ultimate sacrifice that people can make to, to protect us here. And sort of the, the journey there was long. It was a long way getting there. It took your whole life to kind of get to that Oh, yeah. Point. Oh, yeah. It almost escaped me. But uh, when I look back on my life, everything has set me up to be successful in the military. Yeah. And I know we'll tap on that uh, as we continue this podcast. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So first question, man, this is the question that I, I always ask everybody as we start. Robbie, are you a leader? Yeah, a hundred percent. I am a leader for sure. So, what's your definition of a leader? Um, my definition of a leader. Well, the Army will define leadership as one's ability to provide purpose and direction, and able to increase operation. Right. Right. But my definition of a leader is something that someone does, who they are, and what they do, and also what they don't do. Because people are always looking at you, and they always see things. So it's based on your energy and what you give off. Right. Um, it, it's, it's doing the right thing and, and helping increase someone's potential to be successful at life and obtain joy. Right. That's a, that's a big part of it is joy. So I know that you use the word hero a lot in a few different respects, and we'll sort of get to that. But 
For you, is there a difference between a hero and a leader? I think it all encompasses around the same thing. When, when I use hero, it's really to promote that internal leadership ability to help other people out. And that, that's what a hero does, and that's also what a what it takes to have leadership. Yeah, man. So so I'm going to talk a little bit about your current status. So so you just came home from your first tour of duty in the Middle East in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. How was that for you? I mean, I know we chatted a few times while you were away and deployed, but how was that for you in terms of your expectations as a leader versus what actually manifested there? While I was deployed overseas, I got to help the organization out a lot. Um, in terms of leadership, I wasn't in charge of that many people. I was set out on a couple different uh, mission sets uh, as the lone wolf to work with uh, different military uh, teams and operations, foreign as well as our domestic U.S. Uh, military and the Air Force. And it, through those interpersonal skills, uh, be the liaison officer between our forward uh, deployed unit as well as our, our rear unit in support. And I know we talked about some of the stuff going on coming up this year, but you, you told me that you're looking to become a platoon leader as you return to Fort Carson, Colorado in the new year to begin a new train-up cycle for the future conflicts within the infantry brigade. Roger, yeah. So I'll have a, around uh, 40 men and women underneath me combine uh, and help them progress in, the, in their career as well as their family life as well. Yeah, that's important. And we'll kind of get to that and how all these different aspects of your leadership play out. But I want to do what I do here on the LaunchCast and rewind it back, take it back to the beginning where this journey started for you. Because as everybody that listens to this knows, this podcast is about the unconventional journey. We're right. trying to get people to understand like, I look at you now, man, you're a guy that's, your physicality, first of all, your physical presence is, is huge when you're in a room with Robbie Plotkin, because you're a guy that takes your health and wellness so seriously. You know, you're a first lieutenant in the Army, you're an Army Ranger. That's big for somebody to walk in and see that persona. Right. But I've known you for many years, having met you through Kempo Martial Arts, and then we, you know, we became good friends subsequently over the years. And I saw a big genesis in you, but I didn't even know you as a kid, so that journey was much bigger for you starting out as a kid getting to this point. Right. Right. And that's what we want people to understand that, look, you see a guy like this that's a leader in the U.S. Army, you know, the, the highest honor somebody can have really in this country in terms of leadership. And he wasn't always this leader, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't always this guy that was comfortable leading men into battle, potentially. And that journey is something that's important to the listeners of this podcast. So what I want to start with really, and then we'll, we'll sort of take it back to your childhood is... I know you as a person that really cares about family and your family support system is huge to you. Talk about that in terms of what that's meant to you over the years in a general sense. Yeah, well, I mean, I keep learning every day uh, what that really means to me and, and, and how lucky and fortunate I am. I'm absolutely blessed when it comes to uh, my family dynamics, not just my family as in my parents and brother and sister, but as in my, my uncles, my, grand, my grandparents that haven't have inspired me and that I've learned uh, so much from and, and, and look to emulate as well. Yeah. Um, and, and my cousins, our whole dynamic, we always, we support each other. We're always there for each other. It doesn't matter how big or how small, we're each other's biggest fans. Right. And, uh, and, and we carry each other through the tough times and we're there through the good times as well. And that's, that's important in terms of building that leadership over the years. You know, people, I've noticed that people don't have that, that don't have that support system going into their formative years, they could really take a totally different path. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we've talked about some stories with you, which we'll get into where you had a couple of moments in your life where you were 
you were sort of faced with decisions on how to move forward. And it's interesting the choices you made, you know, to become the, the guy you are today. So we'll take it back to young Rob. And we'll take it back to before you were better looking and in better shape than like 90% of the male species on the planet. You were an aggressive kid, right? I, yeah, I, w- I, w- I was. I was a very imaginative kid and, and I, was pr- I was pretty aggressive. I, I needed a good outlet. And, and sports was not it for me. I was not coordinated. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's, it's totally not for everybody, but it's interesting how you took that outlet. And, and I know you told me this story a little bit, but your parents used to see you running around like a Power Ranger, right? Pretending yeah, you're a that, ninja. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just thought I, thought I was going to save the world from alien invaders. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just fought imaginary ghosts and, and space ninjas all the time. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I, I was morphing, increasing power levels. <laughs> So it was, and I was dancing around on baseball fields, and they were like, "Well, let's pull this kid out, yeah, and uh, let's let's try something that uh, that he seems to enjoy." Yeah, and before you jumped into that, I know there was a story of uh, a big fight that you had as a as a kid, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I just remember being on the playground, and one of my buddies got jumped, and I maybe I was in kindergarten or first grade, and so. I, one kid was pushing him around and everything like that. So I ran over and I pushed this kid back and, and, I, st- and I stood up for him and, and you know, cause someone was attacking my friend and, and that was not okay. So this kid goes away, he grabs another friend and they're a year older than me and they throw me down on the ground, they pin me and they punch me in my stomach and I just remember crying and as a kid it just seemed like I was left alone forever, right? And, that I, and I was helpless. Right. So I knew then that I didn't wanna be that person uh, who couldn't who couldn't help others and who couldn't help themselves? Right, right. And so that outlet for you, um, when you saw that aggression happening, your parents saw that aggression happening, and and you knew that sports wasn't the outlet, you jumped into martial arts. Right, right. Seven yeah. years old, right? Seven years old. Yes. So knowing you all these years later and having trained under you for a bit as well, what was the mindset, if you can remember, of seven-year-old Robbie starting martial arts? Absolute pure excitement. Yeah. I mean, I I found what I wanted to do, and it was awesome. I wanted to do it every day. I went home and practiced, and I became that kid who would watch TV and practice martial arts or sit in a split, do anything to get better at that craft. Right, right. And that, that mindset uh, over time, and I know somebody that, that was involved in martial arts for a few years, that mindset changes because – your, I guess your preconceived notions of martial arts when you first jump in. Although everybody always says, you know, this is for self-defense, this is, you know, for the body, mind, and spirit, and, and whatever. You know that when you first jump into it, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be able to kick some ass. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember when I, so I got my black belt when I was 13, and I remember one of my best friends at the time uh, also got his black belt. And I remember his dad was just like, hey, you got your black belt, but what does it mean? You know, you, you you're 13. You right. can't do anything with it. Right. And maybe that was true then. Uh, I'm sure we would have done well against any other 13-year-old. But to take what we had stored in us, that was just that, that, that response. Yeah. Right? Um, it was innate at that point. We, ju- we just had it built in us. Um, and to use it later on, you know. It becomes a reflex. Right. Exactly. Of, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the whole point of it is that muscle memory from a physical side and then mentally over time when it becomes a reflex where you can really just defend yourself no matter what, right. whenever you need. 
I have yet to hit that point, but yes, yes. blue stripe forever. Well, you know, blue stripe forever. You know. <laughs> so you know, you're continuing on. Seven year old Robbie starts martial arts. Thirteen year old Robbie has his black belt. But it wasn't all easy for you, right? You were bullied as a teenager. I was. I was. Um, I had really severe uh, cystic acne. Um, and it actually pulled me out of the game for, for a while as well. When uh, the cyst got really big uh, and it covered my body, I wasn't able to roll around on the ground. I wasn't able to, to touch people. Uh, my face was constantly bleeding because the cysts were so big and when Jeez. they would dry up. Uh, so I had to go on uh, some special uh, medication. And we always credit my uh, dermatologist for saving my life yeah. because, uh, yeah, he really did. My mindset was not good at that time. That takes a mental toll. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, b- between being bullied uh, by other people, my perception of myself um, was, was really low as well. So I was bullying myself in my head as well. Yeah, that's hard, man. As a, a kid that went through some bullying myself, although not to that level, it's crazy to think of how that affects you over a lifetime. Because I, I look at myself, man, and, I, and I've talked about my journey, you know, throughout the years and my growth to this point on this podcast. But, you know, I look at myself in my 20s, let's say, as a whole. And that was an angry dude, mm. right? And that was because of bullying that happened in, in different ways. Right. You know, not, not like the conventional mm. bullying that you'd think of. But that happened because at a certain point, right, you get to a point physically where you make that realization that, well, I'm bigger than these people, and I'm tougher than these people. And it becomes this thing of like, well, you can't bully me because I'll just turn around and kick your ass. Right. You know? And it's hard for a teenager that has a black belt too, by the way, and you weren't this physical being that you are now when you were 13, but you have a black belt, you have a skill set, yet you're still being bullied. And that, that sort of dichotomy of like, hey, I'm being bullied, but I should be able to take care of that bullying, that'll screw you up. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, and I was the karate kid uh, by definition for everybody until I proved that. Uh, oh yeah, let's uh, actually he he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and, uh, and some and some people had to find out firsthand. Yeah, and that uh, that's a story I want to I want to talk about because you know you went through that um, and that mindset really gets screwed up during that time, and then when you were a junior in high school, it was a huge fight, right? There, there was a huge fight. I got kicked out of school for, for quite some time, almost five and a half weeks. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that about you until we, we spoke about this in the pre-interview. Uh, I knew that, that you had some bullying issues, but that's five and a half weeks, dude. For, for a guy that I know that's a straight-laced dude like you. Right. You know, that's an Army lieutenant right now. Yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. That. I mean, I, I completely was defending myself. Yeah. So, so I forgot to mention that I was already in a fight earlier that year. Yeah. Um, it was something with it was something with a girl, and uh, got it. And uh, me and this kid, me and this kid were friends, and and then he called me out, and it was fine, and I was trying to save our relationship as friends. But then he said that he was going after my my family, and he was gonna do something to my sister. Yeah. So I was like, well, let's meet up. Yeah. So we met up, we took care of business, and at that point, now I'm thinking, well, shit, I'm fucking Robbie Plock, and everybody knows it. Who yeah. wants to mess with me? Right. So to caveat into the story that you were telling, I'm now sleeping in the, in the lunchroom. I'm, I'm tired. I, I already ate. I'm sleeping in the lunchroom. Kid, uh, kid already beat up my uh, friend, and I, I called him out on it. And so he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, can we go outside, and, and can I talk to you? And I thought... I thought, well, shoot, you know, he definitely wants to talk to me because who wants to fight me? Right. You know, 
I mean, I'd want to fight me, but that's just because I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm crazy and uh, always looking for a good challenge. So he brings me outside, and I just remember as we turned the corner, uh, there there were these blocks, and all of his friends were standing by the blocks. Right. I mean, there were there were people out there who knew what was going down. Right. Right. And my senses are just aware as fuck right now. Right. And he's he's walking in front of me. He turns around, and I just see this punch coming at me. And it was just the most slowest thing in the world to me, right? And I just remember leaning back. And then that was it. I, I, I closed the distance, finished it, and my head is going crazy. Um, I was wearing a, a white striped shirt at the time, so I go back into the cafeteria trying to be all nonchalant. There's blood covered. There's his blood. Wow. His blood all over me. And people are looking at me like, Robbie, what the hell just happened? Did you right. have a nosebleed? And I was just like... Oh man, I got to get out of here. But at that point, um, yeah, it it got discovered what happened. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So I got kicked out of school f- for quite some time. Wow, but. that's insane. That's scary, right? It's scary when you have certain abilities and you get into a mode like that. Yeah, I, I didn't know. It was just this heightened sense of awareness, and I, I I was raging. I was raging. I still wasn't the happiest kid at the time, and I had figured out what I what I could do and I, I was going to use it. You know, I won't start a fight, but I will damn for sure finish. One. Yeah. Yeah. You come back five and a half weeks out of school, you come back and there's sort of a changed Robbie that comes back. Robbie is now bigger. You discovered weight training, working out. wasn't just the splits in front of the TV anymore. You wanted to build up the body now. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of my, one of my older cousins, he uh, was a personal trainer at the time and you know, we had all sorts of weights at our house, and he taught me what to do, and I became dedicated to that. Um, I had nothing to do. The tutors came after school hours, so I had all morning uh, just just to work out. Yep. And so what was that mindset? Was that just the time, you know, like like when somebody goes to jail for a year and they just work out yeah, the whole time? I, I, I guess. I, I think so, you know, and I also was in that perfect age of where my hormones were going crazy you, you know I, I, you right, I, I could grow yeah so you know i started taking supplements i started eating a pound of pasta a night and i put on weight and in five and a half weeks there was a change and i came back to school and it was noticeable there was noticeable people started questioning whether or not i did steroids which i've been all natural my whole life by the way yeah and i made sure that i shut them up real quick yeah and uh and they were like okay 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 and no you just you you just look different but uh but hard work but hard work i uh i love it i'm obsessed with it uh everything about health and and fitness and making myself better increasing my potential so that i can help other people as well um i think i can handle it so i i, I put that pressure on me to do so yeah so even though that was born out of a traumatic incident you got to discover part of your life that would soon become really important to you in terms of that health and nutrition and that physicality and and what it meant to transform oh yeah and help others transform so you finish out high school and you start college you went to albany for the first year and then you came back and you joined the kickboxing fight team right at kempo yes yes i did yeah 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 i came back and uh I mean, I had entered tournaments uh, when I was younger, and I would lose the point sparring matches and get disqualified. They'd say, "Just uh, you 
you're just too aggressive. You, you can't knock the person down. Right. It's only a light tap. You, you know how porn sparring yep. is. Yep. And then so I would have uh, my instructors, they would sneak me into the 18 and older semi-full contact events where it was just a time fight for one minute and whoever dominated won. And I was 16 at the time, but they would always say, but I would, at that point I was a little bit of a bigger kid as well because I was tall. And they would be like, yeah, no, 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 he, he's 18, he's 18. So right. when I came back from college, they were like, hey, you're here, you're back, you're, you're working here at Kempo, do you want to join the fight team? Yeah, and for those of you that don't really know what Kempo is, I'll talk about it. This is where I met Robbie, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little while. So Kempo is part of the Kaju Kempo system. So it's karate, judo, Kempo, Chinese boxing. Chinese boxing, right? right. So it's, it's really like the original mixed martial art. Right, it really is. In, in reality. And it was a really cool system. I joined up with Kempo after my daughter was born. My first child was born, and Robbie had been doing it for years already, and we met up there. Robbie was within our system, was a legend. Every time I would go, it, would, it was like, oh, Robbie's off at Rampage Jackson's camp in, in <laughs> Albuquerque. Robbie's this, Robbie's that. And so I know how, how huge part of your life a Kempo was and fight team. But on the other side of things, when you came back from Albany, you decided to now study economics at Stony Brook, right. which was not really your thing. No, it, was, it wasn't the, the path I wanted to be on. I wanted to uh, go into the business school, even though I didn't want anything, didn't want to do the business anyway. It just sounded good on paper, right? But couldn't get into the business program. Uh, so I did the economics with the, with the minor in business. Yeah. Let me ask you, I know you, your father for you is just a huge figure in your life oh, and, yeah. and you have a lot of love for him. What kind of influence, I'm not asking you if he influenced you, but what, what kind of influence was your decision to go into economics was your father? Well, he had a, he's a, he's a businessman himself. Yeah. I know, uh, when I was born and I, and I always, it, it blows my mind, but you know, he was like, yeah, Robert John Plotkin, that's a good business name. And I'm like, who looks at this beautiful baby boy as I was <laughs> right. And goes, ah, this is a good business name for him when he's an old man, you know? Uh, so, but, uh, but I mean, not to rat on the guy, because I, I do. He, he's the man. We just had a great day in the city yesterday. We always do the coolest things. He always, uh, he, he misses me so much when I'm gone and yeah. always plans great stuff for us. But he's been there for me uh, my whole life to, to direct me and, ju and just really support, support me. And I think as a kid, I didn't understand uh, his words and what they actually meant. Um, and how supportive that they were. And I thought they were more directive than they were um, just guidance. Right. Right. So right. I, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And so, hey, hey, here was this man who was successful. He had the family, and I knew who I was to my core. So I felt, you know, maybe I could handle both somehow and make it work. Yeah, and having that influence, because I sort of went through that in my life a little bit, having that influence where you have family that works in a certain industry and is successful, you kind of look at it and go like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the direction I should go. And then it's funny when you potentially jump into it or jump into it for for a little bit and you go yeah no this isn't right this isn't yeah, for yeah, me. yeah yeah this isn't my core but you did it and you finished out at stony brook for economics but there was a part of you that wanted to do management for a while right hospital management hospital management. yes yeah yeah no hospital management because i knew i wanted to help people okay and uh i remember when i saw patch adams as a kid um I just, I just thought it was great. And I knew that's not what uh, hospital management was. Yeah. But I knew that if I could somehow work in an industry that I knew would directly help people. Sure. Right? Um, that that's where I wanted to be. Sure. Sure. So, but, I, but I didn't end up following it. 
Yeah, you you in fact finished out school and you, you did an internship. You tried. You wanted to try at the business world, but right, it didn't speak to you. Yeah, no, it, I, it didn't connect. My dad hooked me up with one of his best friends, and I, and I worked in the city, but unfortunately it was a very busy time for them, and I was just the filing cabinet guy. And I organized the filing cabinet, and I didn't learn much, so I didn't get that that taste that, hmm, I want to do this. Yeah, and we know as leaders that when we're not passionate about something, we can't be effective leaders. Right. All right, so you finish out college in 2008. So my question for you there is, where were you both personally and professionally once you graduated college? So I had I had no clue, and I remember I remember specifically when I had just heard a, heard a quote, and it was my graduation party from uh, from college. And I was giving a speech in front of everyone because I'm big speech, big speech givers in, in my family. And I remember saying, I have no idea what I want to do. I have this economics degree and I know I'm not going to use it. And I said, ancient philosopher Rumi once quoted, sell your cleverness and purchase bewilderment. And I think that's when I started my journey on, on trying to increase that, that potential within myself and see where it goes and just perfect a craft that I love and keep figuring it out. Yeah, and you did that, and that sort of started your journey in terms of pro fighting, well, amateur fighting and then pro fighting. Personally, where were you? In terms of my personal situation, um, I was with, with my girlfriend at the time. I was fighting, and, 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 I, love, and I loved fighting, but I knew that there needed to be more. Um, one of my sh- strength coaches, who was also from the Kempo area, told me, hey, why don't you become a personal trainer with, he- with us here? So I went that personal trainer route. Yeah. And that's when I started being able to help people you know, f- physically as well. And at what point after that did you officially make the decision that you were going to start a fighting career? I mean, I think I already knew. I, at that point, I was already fighting for, for three years. And, and I, was, I was really good as an amateur kickboxer. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to keep going with it. Career-wise, I was it was always that's what I wanted to be successful at. And I wanted to find a job that could support that, um, that would give me the flexible hours enough so that I can pursue that. Right. Because I had all the belief in myself that I could make it to the top. And that sort of brings us to where I met you for the first time. Had to be, uh, I would say, 2009. 2009, exactly, yes. 2009. Yeah, I'm 23 yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. I'm in Kempo. And I was, it was a Saturday morning and I had heard, I had heard about Robbie, the legendary Robbie. I had never met him because Robbie was away at Greg Jackson's camp in Albuquerque. So I'm in my test and I think it was my orange belt test. So it's white, yellow, orange, orange, and orange is where you can begin sparring in Kempo. And so we had a packed test, the, the way the tests work. Are everybody at all age levels are there testing, and they sort of take you aside, and and you know you, you test individually on your forms, your your this and that, and there's some group testing. Sometimes there's sparring involved in these tests, and right. so this was a monster test. It was only my second one there, but I had witnessed a couple. I'd made friends that were were there, and it was a lot of kids on the test, and there was a lot of adults on the test, and so here we are in the middle of my early on in right. the test, and. In comes Robbie, and I'm like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And, back and he from the walks, Crusades, and he walks in back from the Crusades, and and the whole thing just stops. And everybody's like, "Hey, Robbie!" and giving hugs. And I'm like, 
yo, we're in the middle of a test, dude. And so our instructor, Adam, uh, Sifu, asked Robbie, because we had two dojos, he goes, hey, Robbie, can you do me a favor? Because we had a huge test today. Can you take all the adults in the back dojo and test them while I handle the kids? Yeah, no problem. This motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I walked out of this test bloody. Yeah. Right? It was amazing. It was amazing. But my buddy Ed, our buddy Ed, was on that test as well, getting his brown stripe candidate and uh, and Ed said that that test was harder than his black belt test. Yeah. Robbie had us in the back sparring first, like all, all these like strength and conditioning exercises where he pounded us until we were like dead. I had no energy left. And then we had to spar. And so I spar with this other guy, uh, Greg, who's a couple of years older than me. And we're on the ground grappling and we could both hold our own. But it got to a point where I wound up like ripping open a scar on Greg, like a 20-year-old scar that he had on his neck because I had him in a choke. I have blood all over my gi. Greg has blood all over his gi. He pounded me too. And I just walked out of there completely beaten and bloody. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> all right. That's who this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> so subsequently, we became friends after that. I don't know how that happened. But right. <laughs> Well, because I brought out the best in you. You did, actually. And you were a legend in that dojo, really. You really were. Uh, everybody respected you. And, and I should have seen that right from the get-go that you walked in. And there was so much respect for you in that dojo for, for what you had accomplished and, and the martial artist that you were. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The LaunchCast is sponsored today by the Leadership Experience, a coaching masterclass. Intentional, unconventional, thoughtful leadership from keynote speaker, CEO, nonprofit board member, and TEDx executive producer, George Andriopoulos. Hey, that's me. Guys, the music's getting louder and it's epic, which means this is something you shouldn't miss. Registration opens on December 15th and we are beginning January 15th. This music is so loud, that means it's amazing. Join us, theleadershipexp.com for details. You don't wanna miss this. So 2012-ish, you were married, right? Yes, but now thinking about thinking about it, because I know we had this conversation. Yeah. If if I was going to be 25, if 25, I think 86 plus 25 would put me at 2011. But I, it's it's not important in any way. Okay. Anymore. So yeah, <laughs> right. I, I don't I don't think I need to remember that yeah. date. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So this time period sort of, when you look at it in a few different ways, this began a sort of tumultuous time in your life for a lot of reasons. You had a lot of ups and downs in your fight career, right. uh, your relationship, obviously, your mindset. Talk about what that period felt like for you in terms of your mindset when you look at the goals of like who you want to be, that leader that you want to turn into. Yeah, so it was strange because I know when I first when I first started fighting and everything, my ex was completely all for it. She used to tell me all the time that people would ask her, oh, Robbie, Robbie's fighting. What do you feel about that? And she would say, well, he's actually pretty good. Yeah. And she full on supported me and, and it was great. So that made it that made that easy. And I felt like this uh, this bow that she had that was like her arm candy, you know, and I had a lot of respect for for what I did because I challenged myself to do what people won't. Uh, and I wanted to be that person, and I had a I had a lot of success uh, early on in my career. Um, as I transitioned into MMA, um, I realized my my wrestling was was lacking a little bit. And as I went professional, um, it it wasn't the easiest transition as well because I had such a large uh, 
experience in the kickboxing where my name was known, so people would refuse to fight me. And I was just getting these big fights that I wasn't yet ready for, but I couldn't turn it down because I wanted to get my career going. Yeah. And it didn't put me in the best position. Yeah, and that's a, it's a tough thing. We talked before about um, when you're in martial arts for a few years, that muscle memory and that sort of reflex adjustment that happens where you just know what kind of move to make. You right. know, and it transcends to other things, to being smoother in your daily operation. Like I'm, oh, a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a clumsy, like bumbling idiot half the time. And so I was never the coordinated guy in martial arts. I was right. very stiff, very robotic in everything that I did. You, I could see in your movements, you were always a smooth guy. We always joke, you know, in martial arts, but Bruce Lee's quote, be like Walter, mm, right? Right, right. Um, and I could see that with you. And even the, the guy that trained both of us, Adam, or Sifu at the time, smooth, martial artist oh man, man I, I mean i've emulated that man my whole life to to be like him dude you his, know, starting his off. it's the challenge of of owning a martial arts school and having multiple teachers where if it wasn't you or adam teaching a class i was like disappointed right. because man he was he was smooth i just remember his movements like smooth martial artists well he he moved so well that when he did something you believed that it would actually work yeah and you had that you had that buy-in yeah. As well. It was crazy to watch, right? Because at that point, you and I are good friends, and we had Team Robbie, right? Oh, Everybody yeah. that followed right. you around from the school that would support you at all your fights. And I remember being with the boys and watching some of the fights, and it hurt to watch you struggle sometimes because right. we're all born punchers and kickers mm -hmm. as Kempo martial yes. artists. I remember my friend, when I was looking to do martial arts, you know, he did jujitsu and I was like, Hey, what do you think I should do? I want to jump in. It was after he got his black belt and, and I was I watched his black belt test. I'm like, Yeah, I want to do something like Brazilian this. Brazilian jujitsu or like Japanese jujitsu? Brazilian. Okay. And he I remember he said to me, He's like, dude, you're you're a big gorilla. You need to go like punch and kick people. He's right. like, You need Kempo, you know? Right. And so he probably and, steered you in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wanted to do ninjutsu originally, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> Okay. So so anyway, so those schools aren't around much. Yeah, and I I remember watching some of your fights where we you know it's so easy to to be the peanut gallery and watching mm -hmm. and something where we were like, dude, punch him like like use your legs, use yeah. your, use your arms, you know. And it's it it was crazy watching you learn because uh, you were training in jujitsu at the time, yeah, heavily, right, and. and I remember over that period of time, once you transitioned and, and started really, really excelling at it, I was like, oh, wow, I see the growth. Right. But combining those skill sets is difficult. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's different. Um, it's not so much chess to checkers, but but maybe it is. Well, it's, you know what it is? It's if Then tell me if I'm wrong, but it's like it's changing a, a reflex. It's like it's almost like, uh, you know, the doctor tapping you on the knee with the hammer Right, and you know that your reflex is just going to jerk it, your leg, mm -hmm. but it's almost like you have to teach yourself to jerk your arm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's almost unnatural in a, it, when you're first learning it to change that reflex. Right. Well, the subtleties of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, if I if I give you something, it's so I can take something else. So there's there's no position that's safe, and the more the more you know, the more the more that's open, and then it just becomes a thing of timing. Well, if you do this, I'm going to do this, and then yeah. you're going to do this, so then I'll do this. And then it just becomes well, you know, who who left that who left that little bit of space so that nobody can somebody can sneak through, 
and capitalize on the moment. Watching you during that time period, and you had some good wins, you had some big losses. We were hurting for you watching. I felt that the mindset during that time period must have been tough for you because things were, I don't want to use the word rough, but in terms of your marriage and relationship and I guess direction in terms of a, a career, there was uncertainty, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it's tough with anybody trying to succeed in and excel in their craft. Right. And I believed in myself so much that I would not give it up. And and, you know, with anything that's great, people forget about it in two days. And with anything that's bad, people forget about it in two days. So in the fight game, it's this it's the same way. And maybe a loss carries a little bit more because you want to prove you want to prove that that you're better than what you showed um, in that last fight. Unless you went the whole distance getting your butt whooped and then people are like, man, this guy's tough. And and naturally, I've had a couple fights like that. Yeah, and 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 that's a win. But you just got to keep going. That was the tough part of watching you because looking back now, because we're all friends here, and all of the friends, the closer friends that would go and watch you, that worry about you in terms of life, people that are married and people that have families and careers, and they're going, oh, shit, is it time to give it up? Because right. like, you know, dude's married, he's got to support a wife now. But then at the same time, you're going like, well, how could he give it up? Like. How is he ever going to get to where he's going to go if he gives it up? It's a catch-22. So, so for us watching you thinking in those two uh, different perspectives, it must have been like a hundredfold for you being in that moment. Oh, yeah. Um, it definitely put a lot of strain on myself. I didn't think I was good enough in my relationship, which definitely led to uh, big, big problems in the relationship as well because uh, you have to be there. And I... And in terms of me not thinking that I was good enough, I just started doing more for myself. Yeah. And I definitely abandoned the relationship. Uh, I'll take that. But in terms in terms of the fighting, I mean, I always know, and and I would say for anybody and anything that you have to do, every, everyone's going to quit at some point. And if you're the last person to quit, well, then you made it. You succeeded. You you got there. You know, uh, hard work deters people. People are afraid of it. But if you want to, and as the saying goes, if you want to do what people can't do you have to do what people don't do so talk about that a little more in terms of your mindset during that period with your relationship i don't want this interview or conversation to be about a relationship specifically but right. i know as somebody that went through a divorce particularly somebody that caused a divorce right i know that my mindset was really messed up at the time because knowing that you're in a place where you're not happy and knowing that it could be something that you're doing mm -hmm. um, and it could be something that the other person's doing, it sort of screws you up in terms of a mindset and it has an effect on the career. It has an effect on the fighting oh, yeah. and the mindset because I know, man, now especially having a, a stronger mindset and a stronger goal mindset now, I know that I can't win at anything unless I am 150% positive that I'm going to win at it. Right. Now, so talk about what kind of effect, you know, the, the whole soup of emotions had on you in terms of your fighting and in terms of your relationship. Yeah, well, it was tough because while I was going through that whole point, I was also trying to get my master's degree in sports science and nutrition. Um, I was a professional and private strength coach uh, and collegiate strength coach, I mean, and I was trying to juggle a lot of things and, and a lot of passions, right? I wanted to help people and I wanted to be better at, at what I did. Um, and it, some days were just blurry. Yeah. Um, and I know after the whole event as well, I was, 
I was going through, I was walking through a fog the whole time. I mean, I was even driving through a fog. I got in two car accidents within two months of my, you know, my divorce. Yeah. You know, after, yeah. after the split, you know, so I was just, I was, I was not there and I'd take a lot of personal time. I remember I showed up, um, to work one day, uh, at Hofstra and coach looked at me and was just like, I, I want you to take a week and then come back. Wow. He's like, he was like, you're late. You're not doing the right thing. He goes, I understand. Yeah. Take some time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to reevaluate a lot of things that were going on in my life. Yeah. And, and, and most importantly at that point, how I perceived myself. That's the most important note here. This is really the beginning of a transformation. And that's the most important thing to look at. It's funny. I was messaging with an individual in the morning when I see somebody hurting, struggling a little bit, having gone through a lot of that, I want to sort of reach out and right. and talk to them about it. And so I messaged this individual knowing that something's heavy, something's going on, and mm-hmm. just said, hey, man, if you admire what I'm doing right now, if you admire anything that I'm about right now, I just want you to know that nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, right. I was a fucking disaster. It was a disaster. I was in a fog. Yeah. And... That was eight years ago. But seven years ago, still foggy, was hurting a lot. But six years ago, I saw some, some hope. And then five years ago, clarity started to come into play. And then I started becoming this person now. And so it's important for people to understand that there are those moments. You know, I use the word rock bottom. Mm. A lot of time people, they hear the word rock bottom. They, hear, they, they think drugs. They think whatever. Right. It's not the case. It's rock bottom could be just a point in your life where you made – the decision to go, I don't want this anymore, right. you know? And, and I went through it. I'm sure you went through mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's whether, almost like a, an emotional realization. Yeah, yeah. That, and that self-actualization, that self-realization is important to the process of sort of deciding now, who do I want to become? And so looking at you as, as just a man back then, right, um, and as a friend, I was hurting for you. You know, yeah. I remember getting a call from you. Yep. And you're like, it's over. And knowing you before this, because this was the first time that I saw this new, newer version of Robbie. Right. Knowing you before, knowing you're a guy that's in touch with his emotions, what scared me was that you weren't emotional when you called me. Right. And I had to be like, yeah, no, come to my office. I'm going to call the boys. Yeah. And yeah. we're going we're gonna to chat. It was like 930 at night and we all got there and we talked it out. And I realized that you had made a solid decision in life at that point. You had made the decision that um, whatever situation you were in before was not the situation for you anymore. And although you seemed different to me right. now, I was in a way happy for you because I, I sort of saw this person and I was kind of like, you know, whether this is a, a phase or not, you know, Robbie definitely right now knows what he wants, Right. you know, and you wanted to just move on. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But as a friend, kind of seeing that was sort of good and bad because it was almost like you were beginning to heal as the thing was, was happening. And, and the process takes a while. It, 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 took, it, <laughs> took, it took some time, for sure. Yeah. Tell me about that first year, man. It took some man. time. Uh, I mean, the first year was hard. I, I mean, when she left, she was unhappy. And, and I just remember, you know, you, you coming back. Yeah, I, need, I need the weekend. Okay. Weekend was over. You coming back? I need the week. You know, I need the month. And then it was, hey, rent's due. What am I doing? Um, I don't know what happened. We were, we were, we were walking through New York City one day, and some guy was just like, hey, you guys are the couple of America. 
And that's what and that's what we believed we were, right? Because everyone thought that we were just this this couple that was just in in crazy love, and and we weren't. It just fizzled away. And she had said to me a couple times that she just didn't feel like herself with me, and I didn't understand that until the marriage just didn't work. And it was ten years into our relationship, and she didn't feel like herself with me. And I thought how horrible it is that someone is with somebody for so long felt trapped uh, as much as she did love me and I won't take that away from her um, and I thought I was doing the right thing for this person and I and I wasn't so there was no walking back into that relationship for me uh, and and I and I had that sense of I'm I'm proud of you for leaving me and that was uh, it was it was hard to realize but um, my mom says it all the time. If if you love somebody, sometimes you just gotta let them go. Yeah. And and I knew I knew who I was, and more importantly, I knew who I wanted to be, and I knew that I I couldn't be that person there, and and neither could she. It's probably one of the toughest things you'll ever do, but in the long run, for both of you, one of the best things you'll ever do. Because if I've discovered something in life, it's that. Um, if everybody's not 100% themselves and authentic and happy, then it's just not the right place and it'll, it'll only go into a, a downward spiral. So it's so, to me, big of you to, to say something like that, that you were proud of her, but it just shows um, that you cared enough to be proud of her and you just right. wanted to both be happy, man. That's yeah. it. You wanted to both be happy. So you mentioned your mom there. We'll go back to that, man. I, I know your parents personally. Oh, yeah. The greatest. How big were they in terms of support during that time? I mean, I mean, all the time. If we're just going to talk about my mom, my mom would hold on to me every, every day if she could. And then mm -hmm. she'd be like, all right, go away because she wants me to, to live life. But she worries about me so much. Um, but she is just so consumed with love and pride. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you see that as, as your friend kind of watching from the outside. Um, you know, your parents care about you a lot. You got a, gr a great family, man. And that that support during that time period is tough, man. I, I went through that with my parents. Um, yeah. There was that moment of, all right, man, what the fuck's going on? Right. And then we moved past it. Mm -hmm. And then I couldn't have gotten through that time period personally without without my parents. Right. Well, I, ha I mean, I had to move in back home. Yeah. Uh, That's tough for a man. Oh, yeah. That's tough for a man to do. Yep. And it, it says a lot about your relationship with them that you, you trusted them enough with your, your pride to right. do that. So that support as a leader, you can't choose your family. We get lucky with yes. family. Yeah, we do. But you have to surround yourself as a leader because that's the through line in this conversation. We're, we're right. talking about leadership. You have to surround yourself with the people that support you, people mm -hmm. that bring you positivity. And it makes life that much easier when you're lucky enough to have that in your family. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, and, I, and, and I know. You I mean, have that. and and with you, bro. I mean, my friends, uh, they're so close, and I have I have a small group of friends, and they they are they are my extended family as yeah. well. That you know, uh, I don't just I, I I'll call you an associate. Yeah. You know, if if we if we just talk randomly, sure. if if I'm calling you my friend, then then you're you're my family. Yeah, man. As well. Yeah, I, I get it. I feel the same way, man. And we're there to lift each other up. That's what leadership is about. Oh yeah. And in terms of leadership. This is sort of the time when I finally saw the leader finally starting to come out. 
I saw it happening before my eyes. And it was it was kind of cool to see you get that second chance at a reset because, right. hey, and, and this isn't a knock on marriage, but mm-hmm. marriage comes with a lot of responsibility. Oh, yes. You have to support a family now. Right. You have to pay bills that are there no matter what. Right. So when fighting's not working out, Mm-hmm. And, and the pressure is on, you got to get a fucking job, right? right? And oh, yeah. so when you get that second chance to kind of go, okay, I've lessened the responsibilities again. I'm going to give this one more shot to be happy, not just fighting, but just to find what I've been looking for all these years. Right. That's what we saw happening. Yeah. And, and that was very cool to see. So that transformation started happening. And now all of a sudden, there's all these new opportunities happening. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 just, started, it just started pouring in. Uh, there, were, there was some time. Um, one or two years where this fog just happened, and then so I had to look at my life at that point, and it was like it was like restarting, yeah. right? Because I felt so secured when I was in a relationship because I, I I had the wife, I had the potential of the children, and the potential of the future, the potential of the house, the potential of everything that somebody thinks is is success and what they want um, in their in their life. Yep. Um, so then I had to evaluate myself after and it was like, man, I'm, I'm just a fighter and I'm a bum. Like I, I can't, I'm living at home with my parents and I'm still putting that pressure on myself. Right? Like I can't even support me. How am I going to even get into another relationship? Why would, why would I start dating? Sure. Yeah. I can't bring them back to my parents. I I can't do anything. Um, and I had to take a serious look at where I wanted to be. Um, and then all of a sudden, I had this opportunity to fight in front of Dana White for a UFC contract. I joined the Army, guys. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> uh, but you know what? But I had that, right? Uh, af- soon after that, I was offered a modeling gig. I joined the Army, guys. That did not work out for me. <laughs> um, you know, I, ha- I finally got my master's degree in something that I loved, um, that I was passionate about, and something that I will definitely be doing for the rest of my life the have strength coach calls me all the time to talk game to help program um and i'm always offering the advice i mean i give it to my soldiers writing programs as well but again uh, i wanted to become a collegiate strength coach strength coach full-time i didn't have the experience guys i joined the army didn't work out for me right uh and then so I picked up from where I saw my life going as a kid. I was always this disciplined guy. I admired my grandfather the most that I will admire anybody in my life. Yep. Uh, First Sergeant Peter Baniotis Panos. Um, he was the greatest man that I will ever know, that there ever was. Uh, this guy's life, if I could have anybody else's besides my own, it, it, it's his. Um, his outlook on the world, the way, the things that he did, the connections that he made. I mean, that told me all about human connection because when anybody spoke about him, they remembered him. They remembered him. He left that memorable mark because he was just polite to somebody, because he helped somebody. He was always donating, always doing good things. And, man, that guy could tell some stories and talk your ears sure. off. And you were going to listen. I'm sure. And you were going to listen. So I had the opportunity... Uh, a buddy of mine was like, hey, what about becoming an officer in the U.S. Army? I said, well, I, I mean, I always wanted to do that. I tried to get into West Point and Annapolis earlier. But I, as you said before, I'm, I'm 100% go man. So when it was that, oh, do the ROTC, a program like that, I didn't understand back then. Yeah. Um, and I was happy with what I was doing, fighting and in my relationship that I didn't know was going to crash. But I was like, I can't be that weekend warrior, right? And when somebody told me, hey, will you? 
you still make the age limit for the army, that was it. I mean, that was the realization that this is where this is where I always wanted to be. This is the person that I I wanted to be my whole life and what I wanted to do and and I was going to seize it. And I went through the whole process and when I was accepted to be an officer in the United States Army is when I finally divulged it to my family who I knew would support me and and love me through the whole time, but I knew that they would just worry too much, and it was yeah. something for myself that I just needed to accomplish after all these years and get myself back on the right path because I had I had crashed, and I needed to let people know that I'm that person that they believed in all those years yeah. ago. I love hearing this because when you joined, we did the same as your parents did, right? We were worried. Right. Like, you know, it's uncertain times right now, and you don't know what that leads to. We also had to warn you all the time because we knew you wanted to go out there and be like Captain America. Yeah, right, right, right. Strap body armor and give me a shield and let me out there. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a new army. We, we we've done good in the past, so uh, yeah. we're pretty safe right now, America. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're an officer in the army. The experience that you're gaining now is really interesting to me because I always talk about unconventional leadership. So what I do now in my life, whether it's for a living or as my passion projects or whatever I do, it comes from an unconventional place because I was never really given like a structured format of what leadership should look Mm. like. And I love that. I appreciate it because I learned it all through life experience. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not always going to make the right decision in leadership. I'm going to make the decisions to the best of my ability. And if I don't make the right decision, I just learn from it and move on. Exactly. You are now somebody that was always passionate about leading. And you had the structure of martial arts growing up. But you now are in probably the most structured leadership role there can be in this country. Talk about what that feels like for you in terms of knowing that you're a free thinker. I always see the wheels moving. Mm -hmm. You're always trying to help people and trying to say something that's not just poetic, but but inspirational to people. Thank you. Yes. Uh, like you said, you're, you're you come from a family of speech givers, I, right? Yeah. And so I'm the same way. I don't. I can't keep my mouth shut half right. the time. But you now go into a place where there's rules and there's this structure and there's a a very clear path to how to build up a person. Right. What what was that like for you going into that? Uh, being an older LT in my position, um, and I am that that forward thinking, and I'm I'm not a yes man. So I do have the ability to think on my own. I've led people in the past, and it's just figuring out the the Army aspect. Uh, You have to meet the commander's intent uh, as it gets passed down from the higher-ups. And as long as you're able to achieve that, then you're doing the right thing. But when it comes to the men and the women, uh, it's not only them, it's it's their family as well. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's doing something, making the decision to, to keep them safe and help them. I mean, right now we're just preparing for future conflicts. But when the time comes, how are we going to be best, best prepared? And you have to train like you would fight. Right. So this, this is something that I've always found interesting. I want to get your take on this. My development as a leader is really different in terms of where I am now and where I was. In my younger days, I was more of like that disciplinarian leader. I wasn't a leader. I was a manager. Right. And there's a difference between a manager and a leader. Um, and so I had this mentality because this is sort of how I was led and managed in the beginning of my career. But I had this mentality of breaking a person down first in order to turn them into who you want them to be. Right. And for me, that was totally wrong because I was the shittiest manager in the world. Right. And when I learned to cultivate a person 
and to cultivate their strengths and, yes. and not to make them fail, to break them down, but to teach them about my failures in order to to show them what the wrong way is. Right. That's where I've had more success. But boot camp and the old ways of the army and everything, it was always like, you know, you got to tear somebody down and then rebuild them. Is right. it still like that? Yeah, no, it's it's the... It's surprisingly, it's not really like that, and it's it's exactly more like that. It's it's seeing what someone's capabilities are, teaching them how they can use that, but also being able to learn all the way down to the lowest level of a private as well, uh, and to never think that you're better than anybody because some of these guys have a lot more experience in their specific job. Even though I'm in charge of them, they know they understand the tanks better than I do because they work on them, sure. they fix them. You know, I have to understand the movement and maneuvers and where and where to place them. Uh, as I get the orders of you know where the enemy's located and and how we should flank properly and everything like that, but it's understanding that as a leader you're also a member of a team. Yeah, there there are still uh, I think instances I'm talking about the tearing a person down and taking away the core of them in order to put back. It's it's it, to me it's just tough. It's making a soldier versus building up a human. Right. Well, you want to make somebody believe in themselves. Yeah. If they believe in themselves, they're going to be successful. If you tear them down all the way and strip their core from them, then all they know what to do is what you tell them to. And when things don't go right and things don't always go yeah. right the majority of the time, you need that forward thinker. So it's building people to be able to handle themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I, I need someone who can carry me out of the battlefield in case something goes wrong. And I love that they're, they've taken this more organic approach now because I, I've learned that as a leader. That organic approach is going to build up somebody that's more vested, that's better because they're using their own strength. So I love hearing that because they, they always say the Army, if you look at it as a business, it's one of the best organizations in the world. Right. And so uh, in terms of training, they have to be top-notch in what they do and how they go about doing it. Oh, yeah. Goals for the future, man. I want to hear what Going Hero is for you. Yeah, go well. You know, Going Hero is just it, it's it's inspiring people on on all the platforms, uh, and I love being able to be part of social media now because I get I get the random messages from people that I don't know. I have kids reaching out to me, helping them along with their military career as they want to progress as well, which is awesome. I had a guy who just reached out to me the other day, worried about his fitness goals told me that he's been following me since I was in officer candidate school, and then he was also my airborne instructor. That's great. So I was like, oh, wow, full circle. Like, I, yeah. I didn't know. But, um, you know, so just uh, helping people out so on that platform, right, and just being able to in increase that uh, with my platoon, right? If I can make my platoon successful and the, mo and the best platoon in the organization, right, then I've gone hero in that aspect yeah. by, by making them better. Uh, I want to join a ranger battalion, so I am an airborne ranger qualified officer right now, which means that I've passed ranger school, and but I have to first do a key development time in the regular army before I can go into a specialty unit like the rangers. Yeah. So I want to get into a ranger battalion, um, do some high-speed stuff, uh, really see if I can put my tactics to use and my motivation and my drive. Um, and if I'm successful in that, then keep going. Move somewhere into special forces in the combined arms group, uh, going Delta, and see where it takes me in the Army career and be as successful as possible. If I get held up because of timeline issues, then a huge goal when I finally get out of the Army, I want to open up a, a performance training facility that's geared towards youth athletics that helps kids obtain scholarships for schools. Um, it will have a daycare program, a homework center, 
and uh, and really just invest in that local community. Yeah, I love that. And you and I have talked uh, since you've joined the army. I've grown my speaking career tremendously, and I'm right. I'm out here doing the speaking and coaching thing alongside with my company, Launchpad Five One Six. And you and I have talked about that. You'd be such a great inspiration of people getting up on that stage and and talking. So yeah, I'd thank love you. To. I want to join that. I want to join that platform as well. It's a, it's a huge passion of mine. Yeah, uh, I was able to do some counseling with kids back before I joined the army and it's something that I, I still want to do. I believe that I have that presence and like I said, I'll put that pressure on me to help people be better. Yeah, we're winding down and so in doing that, we've covered so much in terms of your, your growth as a leader and across your whole life and you've been so honest so I appreciate that and I want to say that we, we always hit on this point but there are there are so many things and we're, we're going to get to this in a minute, but there are so many things in life that cause change. And the way I describe them is I describe them as a spark moment, right? There are these moments in life where it's just like either like an aha moment or it could be a rock bottom moment. It could be an amazing moment where you just realize like this is a moment that will cause some kind of change. It's a pivotal moment in my life, whether it's a positive change or a negative change or just change in general, this spark moment I will never forget in my life. And right. those moments could be anything. We always, in these interviews, describe these spark moments as, hey, it was that moment I hit rock bottom. It was that maybe that moment where you had the opportunity to fight in front of Dana White, right? But then there are other spark moments that are more hidden, and we'll kind of get into that. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, uh, the spark moments you're talking about is when you realize that you are you can create something so special for somebody else. Yeah. Um, and when you are some somebody so special for somebody else. So a spark moment that really opened up my eyes. Uh, I was a kid and I was a senior in college and I was applying for, for West Point. Mm -hmm. And I'm over at my friend's house and I'm talking about how I'm going through the process, how I'm so excited to go away to the military and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to do everything that I want to do. And my friend's father was just like, hey, like, I wish you all the best. And I'm nervous for you, but I think if anybody can do it, it's you, right? And my, you know, dad goes upstairs, my friend goes into the other room, and then all of a sudden his, his little brother, who I was close with at the time, uh, he's just sitting there, he's just standing there crying. And I'm like, uh, James, what's up, buddy? And he's, he's not talking to me, and I go, I go what, what's the matter, what's wrong? And he goes, what if something bad happens to you? And I never see you again. My yeah. life will never be the same. Yeah. And now here I am, right? Like I hung out with this kid um, and I just thought it was all, you know, just fun and having a good time. And I didn't realize how important you really are to somebody yeah. and, and that what happens to you does affect their life. Yeah. And that was a huge realization for me. Yep. And, it, and it changed my whole outlook and perspective on everything I did yep. and, and who I wanted to be specifically at that point afterwards because I wanted to I wanted to touch people I wanted to make a human connection that lasted forever that helped people that ins that inspired them that wasn't really because of me but that was through me yeah yeah I love that I love that so this brings us to balance the balance phenomenon is something I talk about in, in my leadership coaching it's that moment where the balance comes into play in your life and makes everything work with each other. I describe it sometimes as it's, it's when Luke understood the Force mm. in Star Wars. It's yeah. when Neo understood the Matrix and he's dodging bullets, right. right? It's like you just, 
every aspect that you learn, you bring it into play and everything just works. And you have this higher cognizant level of functioning where you're kind of like, oh shit, this is a lot easier than I thought now that everything's working together. Right. So the question is, do you have balance in your life? I'm getting, I'm getting closer, but I am a, by trade, a very uniquely unbalanced person. Yeah. I mean, because I, I prioritize so much in able to achieve the excellence that, that, I, that I want. That even when I succeed, it's not enough and, I, and I'm still chasing it. I see, you know, not just being friends with you, but just following you on social media. The things that you're passionate about, you always post about. So obviously the number one thing there is always health, nutrition, training. All of that is so important in your life. And so I'm sure that functions to bring balance in your life. But then there's also, and I can totally relate with you on this. Right. Then there's also the competitive spirit in you. Oh, because yeah. I am like a sick person when it comes to competition because everything goes out the window. If I'm doing something in my business that seems like it may be gaining us more revenue, more money, it's not about the money. I could care less about Mm -hmm. the money. It's this competition, whether it's with myself or with something else that I'm sort of creating this competition in my head. That's what drives me a lot of time. My competitive drive is everything to me. And I see that with you. People see somebody that may post on social media a Mm -hmm. lot and they think it's boasting. Right. Dude, for me, I haven't been a, a boaster in almost 10 years. Yeah. That shit doesn't matter to me. I don't care what people think or know that I have. I'm proud of winning. I'm proud of trying to be the best that I can be at something. Right. And so that's what it is for me. Is it similar for you? Yeah, I th- and I think that catches and connects with people. Um, yeah. I think the people who get intimidated by it, uh, my, my, posts aren't, my posts aren't for you. Yes. You know, I want people to celebrate with me what they do. If I'm doing five backflips in a row and you're doing a curl with five pound dumbbells, I, I want to know that you actually got up and you decided that, hey, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go and I'm going to make myself better, um, better for today, better for tomorrow, better for the people in my future, right? So I can be around and healthier longer. Um, I had a thought before and... So I, I love ins- inspiring people and I have this like one of key key things to be successful, right? Um, besides being happy because you have to understand what really makes you happy and brings you joy. But it's, uh, it's, it's the functional definition of discipline. And what that is, is it's first knowing and then being able to choose between what you want now from what you want most. Yep. And, and the unbalance in my life, I will... A credit to that because I'm not trying to choose the now. I'm still planning and prepping for the future because I want to be as best prepared for what comes next to me that I'm ready to be successful and achieve what I have to. Yep. I'm going to give you a little thought for you to chew on right now before we get into the final segment here. The thought is, and this is something that just for me sometimes has helped me balance a little bit more. I know the stuff that you're passionate about working out, you know, the army, obviously, fighting, cooking. Right. Oh, yeah. Cooking. You love cooking. I love cooking. And you love showing people what you cook. Yes, I do. If you took the competition out of things for a little while, I think you would realize how therapeutic they are for you as opposed to just a means to win a competition with yourself, right? Right. And you may be able to enjoy them better and find balance better in that way. For me, that's something that I did where – I started trying to live in the moment mm. in terms of taking the things that I loved. I love cooking too. Right. I, I don't 
don't ever have time for it, and I wish I did, but I love cooking. I do love working out right. when, and I don't prioritize it nearly as much as I should, but I do love working out, and it is therapeutic for me when I'm in that mode. But for me, there's different things. There's I love writing. I love speaking. I love public yeah. speaking. This thing right here, this right. is therapeutic for me. Oh, yeah. You know, this is, this for me, this is sharpening the knife for me. Right. This is like my, th this is the, I've realized the greatest tool that I have is my mind. And having these conversations with leaders like you, it helps me gain different perspectives and it's, and it's keeping the knife sharp for me. It's keeping my leadership skills at the top of their game. That's so important to me. It's something to chew on. Yeah. Because I, I think that could be helpful to you. Yeah, so final segment, guys, the big three. The big three from the launch cast. We knew it was coming. Okay. The big three is your top three. You're going to blurt these out. All right. uh, I'm going to list a few things. You're going to give me your top three of each item here. All right. Ready? Yep. Top three spark moments in your life. Top three spark moments in my life? Yeah. Will be the, the one in yep. with, with the friend, yep. that story that I talked about. Uh, it will be it will be the, the divorce. Yep. And I'll go back to my childhood um, under, understanding where my grandfather came from. Yeah. Yeah. Top three most terrifying moments in your life. I don't mean sad. I mean terrifying. Right. Top three most terrifying moments of my life. Now, I build these. Right. To give you a minute to think. I build these for each person specifically to show people the reality behind the leader. You know, somebody looks at, at you and you're a, you're a physical presence, good-looking dude, you're an army lieutenant, army ranger, pro MMA fighter. They don't really think there's much that you're scared of, right? But right. we all have these moments that are that could be terrifying uh, to us and, and to acknowledge those and to be authentic um, just shows how good we are as leaders. Right. Tough one, huh? Yeah, this, this, this one's tough, this one's tough. Not because I don't have them, but just because I, I credit myself to who I am because of everything that, that's happened. I agree with you. So, and, and, and pain is so short-lived when you think about it. I know that bad things have happened, but the rise that came after uh, and putting myself together. Uh, I mean, when I had the bad acne, I remembered that I came out of the shower one day and I I blew my nose and my whole face started bleeding. And I'm 15, 16 at the time, crying hysterical to my mom that I cannot go to school because I, I don't want people to see me looking like this. Yeah. Yeah, try, I mean, trying to fit in. I mean, to bring it back, if we're going to talk about the the type of person that I was and the and the acknowledgement from my parents, uh, I know it's it's always weird to bring up, but but a great moment. It, it and I and I was terrified at this moment, and I think you're going to love the change. Um, you know, you want to be a badass growing up, mm -hmm. and I could ask my parents for anything, and they would usually and usually. If I needed it, they'd give it to me, and if not, they'd give me the reason why I couldn't. Sure, it, it was never just it was never just a no. Um, and I remember I tried to steal this this wallet uh, from a store, and I got caught. And my mom takes me home, and she's just embarrassed, and she's like, "Your dad's gonna come talk to you." And I was shitting bricks. I was so nervous, and my dad just comes in. He sits on my bed. And he goes, do you understand what you did was wrong? And I, oh, 
could, couldn't couldn't even control myself. Yeah. You know, I said I said yes, and he goes, "Well, I love you so much, and you're a good person." Wow. And that was it. Like, and then he left, and I cried more than I was originally. Yeah. Right, because I I I couldn't understand that I wasn't getting yelled at for what I did, yep. and that somebody understood me and was just gonna tell me this is not the person you are, even though it's the mistake that you made. That's good parenting, man. Yeah. I, I use that on my daughter. My right. daughter um, struggles through stuff I struggled with when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. We're very similar people, very right. similar. And that tagline, that tagline when she does something that's so bad, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is not bad. But of course. so bad for her age, right? So bad for her character. Right. And you'd normally just be disappointed and, and angry and not know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. I just sit her down and I use the full name. I don't call her Mia. I call her Maria. Okay. And I go, Maria, no matter how hard you try, we will never, ever stop believing in you. Right. You could push as much as you want. We're right here behind you the entire time. We know exactly who you are and who you're going to be. And so keep trying. You'll see what happens. Oh, you know? yeah. We're never leaving. You know? And that support for her, I hope, as a dad is something that she later on is just innate in her and she mm-hmm. understands. And that that's a difference between somebody going down the wrong path and not. Right. You oh, know? yeah. For sure. So that's big. Um, I'll leave you at two with that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Because I know that yeah, was a tough I, one. I, I need a bypass on that one. Top three heroes. Top three heroes. Uh, my grandfather. Um, and then I'm just going to put in Sylvester Stallone because I, I love this guy growing up. And uh, and he and he's still awesome. Yeah. And then uh, myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Top three food dishes. Top three dishes. Top three dishes. Ooh, bray short ribs on top of uh, uh, bray short ribs with uh, seared scallops on top. I knew uh, we were gonna go fancy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Veal Sorrentino, love love Veal Sorrentino, and then I'll have to go with my fight dish. So I used to cater for myself when I fought, because uh-huh. um, you just have to diet hard sure. and lose all this weight. So I would cater myself, and it was this parbadelli pasta with prosciutto and chicken and this mushroom cream sauce that I made. Uh, yeah, love it. I mean, if I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna, then I'm gonna go big. So. <laughs> love it, love yeah. it. Top three failures. Top three failures, um, my marriage, understanding the direction in my life at an early age, mm. and man, I don't like this question because I, I, I don't think I don't think any any of them is a, is a failure. I just think uh, it's built me to be who I am, and I think that that's just success in the end. I think the only failure I'll have is is by not being who I am. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, man. I would I would really answer in a similar way because I look at for me, I look at mistakes as practice, right? Right. I I can't I couldn't be this person right now, which I right now and I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. I I'm very proud of this person that I am at oh, yeah. this very moment in life, and this person wouldn't be around if I didn't make those mistakes. And right. so I always say I wish it didn't hurt people that I hurt. Yes. Right? Of course. Um, that's important to me. But without these mistakes, without these failures, I couldn't do what I do right now. Right. You know? Uh, last one. Top three accomplishments. 
Top three accomplishments. Um, Army Ranger. Uh, number one is my family and my friends, the people that I carry around me. That is my biggest accomplishment. If I want to think how great I am, uh, I look at all the great people who are around me yeah. and, and the love and the, and the respect that I've made um, and, that, and that I've earned from people. And my third greatest accomplishment hasn't happened yet. All right. I like that. I like that very much. Robbie. You know what this means? That's it. We're done. Means we did it. All right. Means we did it. We killed it. I appreciate you so much for, for doing this. As a person that's been out there all these years trying everything that they're passionate about, and I know you are literally like right there with just being that Robbie that you always knew you could be, the, the full potential of right. Robbie Plotkin. Oh, yeah. And I think you, you are on such a great path right now. I appreciate the honesty. We all appreciate the honesty. The people out there that are aspiring leaders that are looking at their own lives and saying, I can't do what he's doing. I think in the last hour and a half, hour and a half, they've taken your stories and have heard them and really translated them into their own personal experiences and, and understood that they could be doing what you're doing. I hope so. And, and in the end, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to motivate, inspire, and create this culture of, of positivity and people believing in themselves. Yeah, I love it, man. And doing better. So thank you for being yeah. here. And again, thank you for your service, man. Hey, we all appreciate no, it. No, no, no. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. I appreciate the, la the launch cast. Please, hey, everybody, listen. This guy's doing big things. He's doing great things. If you're a New York, Long Islander, then, and you're not following this podcast and listening, uh, you need to. So thank make you. the right decision. Thank you, man. And nationally. And nationally. Nation I mean, nationally, of course. Of Get course, at me. But still. Get at everybody. me. We're going to beat the Joe Rogan podcast one day. That's right. I'm going to finish off the way we, we always finish off. It's going to be the moment of inspiration that I talk about today. This was a crazy, crazy year. And I wanted to take a minute just to reflect on 2019 and how important it was to me in terms of my own growth. And I hope that you guys will take this time to be reflective of your year and how it has affected you and helped you grow as a person. Professionally, this year was completely insane. We started the year off by hosting conversations with Kings in our office, which was super important to me. My colleague, Fred Bandy, runs conversations with Kings, and it was really important to see how other aspiring leaders are, are going about their process, is what I want to say. How they're they're conversing amongst each other, what kind of help they're giving each other, how they're lifting each other. And so hosting that in the Launchpad, Launchpad 516 office was really meaningful for me. We continued on. I booked my second TEDx talk, which was at Suffolk Community College, and that was a really, really fun talk for me. I had so much fun doing that talk. Continued on. Speakers Who Dare, one of the most pivotal moments, not of just my year, but of my life, where I introduced the Not Just For Profit movement to the public, and we had some thoughtful conversations, and we did it big, man. We, we did some really good things, and I met some incredible people. That I'll get into. I, I keynoted at the International Franchise Expo, which was amazing. One of the biggest accomplishments of the year, TEDx Farmingdale. I was the executive producer and organizer of TEDx Farmingdale, along with my team that helped me put it together. And we did some incredible stuff with TEDx Farmingdale. We brought out 24 talks that were so important to this world. And not only did we, did we bring those conversations to the forefront, 
and activate leaders in our own community, but we showed people what my hometown, Farmingdale, can do, and we kicked some major ass, and I'm so, so proud of Farmingdale for what we did together during TEDx Farmingdale. The leadership experience, uh, a coaching platform that I've been working on for quite a while now, finally came to fruition, and although it didn't launch in 2019, it's launching in 2020, finished all the... Uh, the, the bones inside of, of what this coaching masterclass is going to look like. And it was with the help of all of my colleagues that I met this year, a lot of coaches and speakers that I met this year that helped me sort of piece together what this would look like. And so that was a big accomplishment. The launch cast, the launch cast, my new baby. I'm so excited about the launch cast and what this podcast is about. We are speaking to important leaders. We are bringing them to the forefront we are talking about their unconventional journeys to leadership. You can be a leader too. You can be a regular average Joe or an average Jane and really feel like you don't have a path to leadership and you look at somebody else's journey and you go, wow, I can do that. And that's what the LaunchCast is about. Not only bringing you good entertainment in podcast form, but trying to build other leaders. That's my goal. That's, that's what I'm trying to do here. My book deal. I signed my first book deal last month. I am so, so happy. It's going to be with, with Mascot Books under their Amplify brand, and it is tentatively titled Once Upon a TEDx. It is such an important book. I can't wait to get this out to you guys. should be hitting stores uh, fall 2020, and I'm really excited about that. And today, I finally made the announcement, and I was so happy to finally be able to tell you guys about this, but... International Association of Top Professionals has selected me to honor me as the 2020 Business Executive of the Year, and I am filled with gratitude. I can't even tell you how excited I am, not, to, not just to be recognized for my leadership and my work as a business executive, but to be on this path where I've sort of set aside my own brand in terms of growing myself through this brand and I'm using this brand for the purposes of making some meaningful change. So when somebody reaches out, when you're on this mission and chooses to acknowledge you, to me it's, it's such a huge deal, especially when you're not looking for it. So, so I thank IAOTP for that and I couldn't be more humbled at how this, how this year has transpired. What did I not mention? That was all my business stuff. This year, I started the year off right before the year started playing a Ninja Turtle at a Ronald McDonald House Charities Christmas event. And I continued that throughout the year, not as a turtle, but as a speaker on their speakers bureau, as a volunteer, as a person that cares so much about that organization. We just had Matt Campo, the CEO of the New York Metro House on last week uh, on the launch cast and just that that organization is so near and dear to my heart so my work with them this year has been paramount to my growth i celebrated my one year anniversary in may my one year wedding anniversary to my incredible wife colleen uh couldn't be happier we had an incredible anniversary and i'm so lucky to have her as a partner throughout this journey and, and I'm just so thankful for her. That was huge for me this year. I went to Chicago. She took me to Chicago as my Christmas gift last year. We went in February. It was my first time in Chicago seeing my Bulls play, which was so important to me. I have to admit, I, I shed a tear at the United Center when I sort of took it all in and looked around and realized I was in this place that I had dreamt of going to for so many years. And 
And on top of that, sidebar in the whole Chicago thing was I took my son Johnny to his first Bulls game at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn when they played the Nets. And of course, we destroyed them that night. But we had so much fun and unforgettable memory for me. My daughter, we attended our last father-daughter dance together for elementary school last year. And uh, well, earlier this year, I should say. And that was an unforgettable memory for me. I turned 40 a few weeks ago. I made it. I turned 40 and I accomplished probably about 80%, 85% of my 40 before 40 list, which was huge to me given some of the adversity that we had gone through this year. My dad, we found out some some news about my dad midsummer and he was a little bit sick and uh, we got through it as a family um, with support and love and, and that was so important to me because he's my guy. And, uh, and that was really tough for me this year, but you guys, as my support system, you helped me get through it. And so I was so thankful for that. I met so many people this year, so many people that have really been a part of this change for me, this growth, this mission to kind of get out there and, and do some good in the world. And so I'm thankful for every single person that I met in 2019 that has come along with me on this journey. A couple of weeks ago, I joined the, the Rotary, the local Rotary here. A lot of you know about the Rotary clubs near you and kind of think it's this antiquated old club. Nah, dude. Amazing, amazing club. I was able to get involved with these people who do the most amazing things. Two of my worlds collided because the Rotary is part of a program called the Gift of Life program. And this year we sponsored two kids, one from Belize and one from Kosovo, to come over to the United States to have heart surgery. And we sponsored them to come over here. And they happened to be staying at the Ronald McDonald House New York Metro in New Hyde Park. And so I was able to interact with them at the house. I picked them up one day, gave them a ride to Farmingdale, uh, donated some gifts to the kids. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Speaking of donating gifts, Shannon's Fight, my heart co-founded, uh, was one of the co-founders of that 501c3 many years ago. We had a donation this year, which was so much fun. I went shopping with my boys from Shannon's Fight, and we donated a bunch of electronic tablets to the Ronald McDonald House for gifts this year. And so I know they were very, very excited about that, and uh, and that felt really good. So um, this was my 2019, guys. A lot of ups, a lot of downs. It's the holiday season right now, and so I'm feeling really good. This news that I was able to announce today about the top business executive of 2020 is a great way to end business this year, as it will happen today. This is our last day of business for 2019, and we're going to be going into 2020 guns blazing. Yeah, it's going to be a great year. I hope you guys are so thankful for the year that you have had. I hope you take time to reflect and really think about the meaning of, of this past year and how it's helped you grow as a person because I sure have and I, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for all of you, thankful for everything that I've gone through this year and uh, I can't wait for 2020. Let's do this. Later, guys. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.